It's such a delight for me to be with you um, this morning and to have the privilege to open up God's uh, Word with you today. I don't know if you took advantage uh, last Friday, it's called Black Friday. Sometimes people wonder why is it Black Friday, I think it's something we imported from North America, where I came from uh, years ago. Um, But Black Friday is a time where everyone tries to get a deal. Um, you know, they, they get into this holiday rush and think about spending money and they think about, um, I'm going to get this good bargain, get a low, low price. I don't know if you're like that, um, trying to get a good bargain in life. I mean, I, I think I try to do that in my own life. But sometimes I uh, learn some important lessons. Um, something happened some years ago when I was serving my second congregation that was just outside of Toronto in Canada. Uh, we had our uh, church office in a strip mall, and uh, we didn't have our own building, and so we used that as our ministry center. And uh, I was leaving my office uh, one afternoon, and I was walking out. I saw this cube van out in the parking lot, and a couple of men there dressed in suits, and they were there, and they beckoned me to come over, and, um, you know, they, they asked me, they, you know, um, can we show you something? And they started telling me this story. They were in Toronto, and they were doing this huge uh, fashion show, and they were selling all of this stuff. And they were selling some genuine leather um, jackets. And uh, they just had a few left, and they didn't want to bring them back to Italy. And I told them that I needed a tall size. Um, and they said, well, no problem. We've got lots of them. And they said, well, the coats retail for about $600, but we'll let you buy one for 300 I could take one home. I thought, well, that was a good deal. I was tempted, 300 bucks for, you know, a good Italian leather coat. But I just told them, um, you know, it's way too much for me. Uh, I, I'll only pay $100 for a new jacket. And they went on to tell me that this was a good Italian leather jacket. They can't sell it for $100. So I said, well, what about $200? Uh, will you take 200 I said, no, I can't pay $200. i will only pay $100 for this jacket. If they would accept that, I would take it. Well, at the end of the story, uh, I walked away with a brand new $600 Italian leather jacket, and all I paid for it was $100. I had a wonderful, good bargain. So I thought. Well, 10 years later, um, the zipper broke, and I, my sister is a seamstress, and I said to my sister, uh, you've got a great sewing machine. Could you put a new zipper in my leather jacket? And she said, sure, Jack, no problem. Just bring it over. And, and uh, so she repaired it, and she said, well, Jack, I'm sorry to tell you, though. Um, I, I repaired the, the zipper in your jacket, but, you know, this is just imitation leather. It's not leather at all. It was a copy. It was a counterfeit. It was made from some synthetic material, only an imitation, not the real deal. It's like that in life, isn't it? There are imitations, and there's the real thing. I mean, you have Coca-Cola, and you have every other kind of drink that tries to imitate it. I mean, Coca-Cola, isn't it the real thing? Coca-Cola or cola by any other brand is just a copy. I mean, you have pure vanilla extract. I did some baking on the weekend, and I always look for this pure organic vanilla extract, but then you also have this imitation stuff. I don't know what's in it. I mean, you have a true Rolex watch. I don't have one. But you get, a, you know, you go down into any kind of market in some foreign country or you're on a cruise or something and people are selling you, they're opening up their jacket and they got all of these watches on here and, hey, I got a Rolex watch for you. 
but it's only a copy. Well, in Revelation 13, we're going to meet a, a couple of people, a couple of people that look very much like the real deal. I mean, they perform miracles. They have many people who follow their leadership. They have crowds of people that are worshiping them. They have power. They have authority. They have influence in the world. They think they are God. But are they? Are they the real thing? Or are they just a cheap copy? The last time we looked at the book of Revelation, we heard about the enormous red dragon who had seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head. Now that dragon is a symbol of Satan. And Revelation 12 ends with John telling us, then the dragon went off to make war against the rest of her offspring. Who's her offspring? It's you, it's me, it's the church, it's people who follow Jesus, the offspring of the woman. And remember, I, I explained that to you, that the woman that is mentioned there is the, the church. It's God's people. And Satan is making war against the rest of our offspring, those who obey God's commands and the testimony of Jesus. And you and I need to be aware of that. That if we are a follower of Jesus, if we obey the commandments, this morning Bartow just shared a few words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 5, and if we say, you know, we want to align our life with what Jesus would want to live, and we want to follow Jesus, then you need to know that there is a war happening, and the dragon, Satan himself, is making war against you, against your family, against your marriage, against the church against the world. Now, some of you might be getting a little bit tired of our study of the book of Revelation. I've been walking you through Revelation. I thought, well, I'm coming here month by month. I thought it'd be good to walk you through one of the books of the Bible. And perhaps as you have listened to some of that, maybe this is your first time here, and you're hearing me speak about Revelation, and you, you say, what is the relevancy of this? What's all this talk about dragons and judgment and wars and natural disasters and end times and the last days? What do they have to do with our life? With your, our life, you know, just our regular life that we have from Monday through Saturday. Well, let me tell you, it has everything to do with your life. And I hope by the end of the message this morning that you will have a sense of that. If you are a faithful follower of Jesus, if you obey God's commandments, and if you hold on to the testimony of Jesus, Satan is out to get you. Satan wages war against God and his people, you, me, your family, this church, all those who are faithful followers of Jesus. Now, Revelation 13 begins with a dragon, with Satan, standing on the shore of the sea. The sea is a symbol of the evil realm, the territory of the devil. And he stands there to await the emergence of the first beast. And what John sees could come right out of a Steven Spielberg thriller. Listen to what John saw. And as you listen, try to picture in your mind what he sees. I'm just going to read the first eight verses of Revelation 13. This is what we read. The words will be on the screen or follow along in your Bible. And I saw a beast coming out of the sea. 
He had ten horns and seven heads, with ten crowns on his horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but it had feet like those of a bear, and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. Now out of the heads of the beast seemed to have, uh, one of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. Now the whole world was astonished, and they followed the beast. Men worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? Now the beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. And he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast all whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the beginning of the creation of the world. Let me just pray. God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our heart be truly found pleasing in your sight. And Lord Jesus, you who are the head over all things to this church, will you be praised, will you be glorified? And may every single person who is here this morning be helped This is our prayer, as we pray it together in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you picture the beast? A beast that looked like a leopard, with feet like a bear, and a mouth like a lion. The beast has all the characteristics of the four beasts that are described for us in Daniel chapter 7. That's one thing you need to understand about the book of Revelation. It picks up a lot of the imagery that you have in the book of Ezekiel and in the book of Daniel. And so here we have those descriptions that come out of Daniel 7. The beast is given, and this is what is most important for you and I to understand. The beast is given power, the throne, and the authority of the dragon. Now here, Satan imitates God. He tries to imitate God. Now, throughout the book of Revelation, it has been the Lord God Almighty who, has, who gives out authority and power. And now Satan copies what God has done, and he gives authority to the beast. And that's the pattern that we see in Revelation 13. And you need to understand that, if you want to understand what you read about in Revelation 13. The dragon and the beast will try to copy things that God has done. Now, I'm going to go through this relatively quick today. I wish I had three hours where I could open all of this to you and just show you all of the backgrounds of all of these images that we have here. But I don't have that privilege today to do that. But I have given you an outline, and you can access that online through the weekly word. If you want to, and I just want to encourage you to do some further and deeper study. I'm just going to touch base on it, and you'll have an idea where we're going at. So what we see, first of all, we see the beast receives Satan's power, he receives his throne, and he sees his great authority just like God gave Christ Jesus the authority over all things. Matthew 28, 18, 
Jesus tells us, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is the one who has power, the throne, and all authority. I mean, just like we read in the book of Philippians chapter 2, that God exalted Christ Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. In other words, every area that you can even imagine to have in the whole cosmos, all authority has been given to Jesus. And here Satan gives authority to the beast. The beast was also given power over every tribe, people, language, and nation. Excuse me? I mean, if you read the book of Revelation, you know that that can't be true. Every tribe, people, language, and nation already belong to God. They belong to Jesus. According to Revelation chapter 5, Jesus purchased them with his blood. The great multitude of people in chapter 7, the men, the women, the boys and girls from every tribe, people, language and nation, you and I, we belong to Jesus. But the beast, he tries to copy Jesus. Look at verse 3. The beast was slain. He had a fatal wound. He died. But the wound is healed and the beast comes back to life. Here the beast copies what? The resurrection. Revelation tells us that it was Jesus, the living one, who has died and who came back to life and who is alive forever and ever and ever and ever. And here we see the beast trying to copy Jesus in his resurrection. The beast from the sea. He's from the pit of hell itself. He caused people to be amazed and they became his followers, his disciples, just like Jesus. I mean, when Jesus did his ministry here on earth, people were amazed, and they left everything to follow him, and this is exactly what is happening with the beast. People begin to worship the beast, and they begin to follow him. But the imitation does not end there. People started to worship the dragon because of the beast. They also worshiped the beast, and they asked, who is like the beast? Who is like the beast? Look at him. Who is like him? There's no one like him. But Psalm 71 tells us, Who, O God, is like you? That question is echoed throughout the Bible. Who is like the God of the Bible? Who is like Jesus? Exodus 8, verse 10, There is no one like the Lord our God. But Satan and the beast, they copy the worship that belongs only to God, and to God alone. Now you might wonder, who is this beast out of the sea? Well, the beast that has come out of the sea is the Antichrist that is spoken of in the Bible. John did not only write the book of Revelation, he also wrote a letter. And in his letters, in 1 John chapter 2, he says, Dear children, this is the last hour. In other words, we are in this time before, after the resurrection of Christ, to his ascension, and, and now we got this time until his second coming. This is the final hour, the last hour. And as you heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. My friends, that's the hour we're living in. 
the last days before the return of Christ. And the fact of the matter is this, that before Christ returns, the beast, the Antichrist, will appear, and he will turn the hearts of people away from God to Satan, away from good toward evil, away from light to darkness, away from truth to deception and lies. In fact, Paul calls this beast the man of lawlessness. But as John tells us, and we need to remember that, in John, 1 John chapter 2, even before the final person is revealed, there's going to be many other antichrists. And there have been many antichrists ever since Jesus ascended into heaven. There are people who deny that Jesus is God. There are people who are liars, who lead people astray, who influence people to follow Satan in the way of evil rather than follow God and the way of truth. And my friends, we need to come to realize that there are many antichrists in our world today. You identify them by their message as we read in verse 6. And maybe that's what you're thinking this morning. How can I identify the antichrist? Or how can I identify in our world today the spirit of the antichrist? And if there are many antichrists around in our world today, how can we identify them? Well, the beast was given a mouth to other proud words and blasphemies. He put himself above God, and he opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place in those who live in heaven. I mean, it's just very clear. Find anyone who denies the deity of Jesus, anyone who is opposed to the God of the Bible, Anyone who exalts himself rather than glorifying God, who leads people away from the truth to do all kinds of evil, there you will find the Antichrist. But I want you to read on in Revelation 13. I'm not going to read on, but I want to explain to you what happens after the beast that was on the sea. There's another beast. There's a beast that comes out of the earth. Remember I said there was two. And both of them try to do exactly the same thing. They try to copy God. They try to copy Jesus. Now this beast had two horns like a lamb. Remember the lamb who was slain? That book of Revelation talks about time and time and time and time again. Who is that lamb? He is Jesus. Well, here's a beast who had two horns like a lamb, but spoke like a dragon. The second beast is also out to copy everything that God has done. And here we see the beast imitating the Holy Spirit. In John 16, we are told how the Holy Spirit acts on behalf of the Trinity in order to bring glory to Jesus. And what does the beast do? He acts under the authority of Satan to bring glory to the Antichrist so that people will worship the first beast. The second beast also imitates Christ by doing great and miraculous signs. He copied what Jesus did. I mean, Jesus performed miraculous signs. I mean, he turned water into wine, healing sick people, walking on water, feeding 5,000, raising the dead, resurrecting from the dead, and this second beast imitates Christ by doing signs. And finally, this beast imitates God by giving people a mark. And here's something that you've probably heard about before, and I want you to understand this. Look at verse 16. He forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand 
or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark. A mark on the forehead or a mark on the hand. Well, where did we read about that before? A mark on the forehead? Well, that's exactly what God did for all believers. Remember chapter 7? How God put a seal, a mark, on the foreheads of the servants of God? See, there he imitates God again. Notice what the beast is doing. He is forcing people to make a choice between Jesus and the Antichrist, between the true Christ and the Christ that is Antichrist. Either you have the seal of God on your forehead or you have the mark of the beast on your forehead. And the mark is the name of the beast or the number of his name. And if you don't have that mark, you will not be able to buy and sell. Imagine a day if you're a farmer and you grow your crops or you raise some livestock and you're not allowed to sell them unless you had the mark of the beast on your forehead or on your arm. Imagine you go to Woolies or Coles and you want to buy some groceries for your families and they say, do you have the mark of the beast? Do you follow the beast? If not, you can't buy any groceries. And you might go to Ampol or go to BP to buy some fuel or to Bunnings to buy some lumber or hardware, but unless you have the mark of the beast... Well, Revelation tells us the day will come that you'll need to have the mark on your forehead or on your hand in order to purchase anything or to sell anything. Now, what is this mark? Well, in verse 18, we read that the number is 666. You've probably heard about this before. Now, a lot of people get very confused about this number, but you know, it's not that confusing at all. And I'm going to explain it. People wonder, is it a computer chip? <laughs> that's going to be implanted on our right hands. I mean, when we went through this whole pan recent pandemic, a lot of people were saying, well, they're injecting stuff into your veins, you know, because they're going to put these computer chips into your hands or on your foreheads. I mean, is that what it's all about? Is it the number tattooed there on your forehead? I mean, a lot of people have tats today in Australia. I'm amazed by that. But I mean, you look around, is that what it's all about? Eventually, you have to have that tattooed on your forehead. Well, what does the Bible tell us? I mean, if you ever are confused about something, just go to the Bible, and the Bible will explain it. Look at verse 18. It says this. This calls for wisdom. In other words, you've got to study this. You've got to discern this. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it's a man's number. His number is 666. Now, the number 666 follows the ancient practice of gematria. Now, what is that? Well, in the Hebrew alphabet, every letter of the Hebrew alphabet had a number associated with it. It's like A equals 1, B equals 2, C equals 3, and so on. Now, for example, the name David has a numerical value of 14. And if you turn to Matthew chapter 1... <laughs> And you open up the first gospel of, in the Bible, and you read Matthew 1, 1, and it starts to talk about Jesus, who was a descendant of David. And what does it tell us? There was 14 generations from Adam to Abraham, 14 generations from Abraham to David, and 14 generations from David to the coming of Christ. Right? So if you, you look at 
you look at Matthew chapter 1, what is it just telling us? It's telling us that Jesus truly was the descendant of David. That's why you have the number 14 appearing time and time again. Why? Because 14 is the number, 14 is the number of David. Guess what? The number of Jesus, what's his number? You add his number up, it's 888. What does this all mean? Well, we know in the book of Revelation that the number seven is the number of perfection, wholeness, and completeness. In Revelation 4, verse 8, God is described as holy, holy, holy. Why holy, holy, holy? Because he's a triune God. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, holy, holy, holy. And if you get the number three and you get the number seven, what do you get? You get seven, seven, seven. That is the number of perfection. And then you look at the number of Jesus. Jesus is 888. His number is beyond perfection. See, what's happening here What Satan is doing in our world today is he's trying to imitate the Holy Trinity by creating an evil trinity of the dragon and the two beasts. One imitating Christ, one imitating the Holy Spirit. And the message of Revelation 13 is simply this, and that's why the number 666 should not bewilder us. Because no matter how much Satan tries to imitate and become like God. He never will. He's only 666. He's not 777. And there's no way he is 888. That's only reserved for Jesus. He's a counterfeit deity. He's a cheap copy. But guess what? People will still worship him. People will follow him. He will imitate the Holy Trinity as best as he can, but it won't be the real thing. It will be a fraud. He's not the real deal. Only God is. Satan is not worth following. He's a deceiver. He's a father of lies. And remember that he is only concerned about one thing. Jesus tells us that in John 10. Satan is only here in this world to do this to us. He's out here to steal, kill, and destroy He's out here to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to do that to you, and to your family, and to your marriage, and to our communities, and our world around us. All true followers of Jesus, he's out to steal, kill, and destroy. And my friends, in the last days, it's not going to be easy. The closer we get to the second coming of Christ, the more difficult it will be for believers. Followers of Christ are going to undergo all kinds of terrible persecution and tribulation. That's the warning given in verses 9 and 10. He who is in here, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is going to be killed by the sword, by the sword he will be killed. Faithful followers of Jesus will face death. In some places of the world today, and Bartle prayed a bit about that this morning, in places where there is huge persecution, this happens every single day, where faithful followers of Jesus are murdered. And there's coming a day when no one can buy or sell unless they have been given the mark of the beast, unless they have been, unless they choose to deny Christ, 
and follow the path of sin and evil. So in the face of the growing evil in our society, how should you and I respond? Now that's the question, isn't it? Well, we should not be afraid. We should not fight back. We don't take up weapons of warfare. We don't run away and hide like, you know, if you've ever watched the Left Behind series, that's the kind of picture they have of five followers of Jesus. They just run and hide. Look at verse 10. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of saints. Patient endurance and faithfulness. Patiently enduring all the hardships you face and remaining faithful to Jesus and faithful to God and faithful to the testimony that God has given to us, his word. How does that look like for us in December of 2022? What does that mean for us today? What does the Bible teach us? The Bible begins by teaching us in Genesis 1-1 that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So behind everything that we see in our world today, all of this that we see around our world has been created by God. That's the testimony of the word. And so many people today, they just say, well, this world just happened. Some big cosmic bang that happened and They deny the testimony of Scripture that everything that we see in our world today was created by God. You just turn a few pages further in the book of Genesis and you read that God created a man and he created a woman. Male and female, he created them. And there's so many in our world today who try to get us to believe that there's no such thing as gender. There's no such thing as little boys and little girls, men and women. You just turn a few more pages in the book of Genesis and you read, Therefore a man will leave his father and his mother and will cleave to his wife and they will become one. And we look in our world today and people just say, marriage doesn't matter. Being committed in a relationship doesn't matter. Being true to your spouse and cleaving to her and to one another and loving one another is not important. Just throw that away. Throughout the Bible, we know that life comes from God. And none of us has a choice of what we should want to do with that life. And yet today, people just say, it doesn't matter what you do with life. Whether it's a baby that has been conceived in the womb, or an elderly person who might be frail. We can just do away with that. Do away with them. See, my friends, you and I need to understand that if we're going to do exactly what Revelation 13 tells us, to patiently endure and to stay true to the testimony of Jesus, that means we've got to stay true to God's word. 
And what does Satan try to do? Remember again, what does he try to do? He tries to steal, kill, and destroy. And haven't we seen that in our world today? Where families are being destroyed. Marriages are being destroyed. The concept of marriage is being destroyed. Look in our world today and we see young girls and young boys and older men and women mutilated just for the sake of saying there's no gender anymore. There's not male or female. It could be whatever you want. Satan comes to destroy, kill, but he also comes to steal. And don't we see that in our world today? You know, as faithful followers of Jesus, for so many years, we gathered together on the 25th of December to do one thing, and that is to remember that eternal God became Emmanuel with us. He became one of us. Why? To pay the sin for the sin of our world and to pay our debt so that we could have eternity with God forever. And that is why we sing away in the manger in silent night and O come all you faithful and heart the herald angels sing. But go to 90% of Australians today and you say, what is Christmas all about? And they'll say it's about Santa Claus. It's about sharing presents, and eating lots of food. You see how Satan steals? He steals our holidays away from us. Just mix up the, the name of Santa and see what it spells. There's deception. Easter where we remember the fact that the eternal God on Good Friday, there in Jesus, bore the sins of the world on a cross. See, our world might have a Black Friday, but we have a Good Friday. And that is a Good Friday because that's when Jesus paid our debt and he took away the sins of the world. And three days later, he rose again from the dead and he ascended into heaven and he sits at the right hand of God and we talk about Pentecost and we take a walk about, talk about Ascension and Ascension Day and we talk about the resurrection on Easter Sunday morning and, 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 and that holiday gets stolen away from us. And all it is is about Easter bunnies and the emergence of spring and chocolate. Oh, we might eat some hot cross buns, but we probably don't even know why there's a cross on the buns. Just becomes another way to make an easy dollar. You see, my friends, I'm sharing this with you because this stuff of Revelation 13 is very pertinent for us today because there is so much counterfeit happening in our world today. And I know there's a lot of people in our world today who are mixed up and they're confused. And maybe some of you are here today, you're confused because of gender issues. Maybe you're confused because of Maybe some of you have had an abortion in your life and things that you've struggled with and maybe you've had a failed marriage and you're on your second or third marriage and, you know, I just remember our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, whatever your past has been like and whatever struggles that you've had in your life, I want you to come to the Lord Jesus Christ 
and find in him not only forgiveness of all that of the past, but to know that there is a present today where he wants to be with you and to walk you in your journey to help you discover what he's all about. Because he's there to hold you, to heal you, to give you hope and to give you a future. That's why he's here. And patient endurance does not just mean that you and I sit on our hands or in our comfortable pew doing nothing. It's quite the opposite. You know, as we've studied in the book of Revelation, holding on to the word of God and boldly proclaiming the testimony of Jesus, we need to follow the lead of the two witnesses in Revelation 13. And may this be true of us. That you and I hold on to the word of God and boldly proclaim the testimony of Jesus. Sure, Satan might raise up a couple of beasts out of the sea and out of the earth, the Antichrist. But these witnesses point to the kind of life that you and I need to live, boldly proclaiming the testimony of Jesus and holding on to the word of God. Like all of trees, we're supposed to, this is what we are to do, we are to produce fruit in a day where there is spiritual dryness, Like lampstands, we are to produce light in a time of great darkness. This is a time for powerful prophetic witness. And this is how you and I are to persevere in these last days. And that's the challenge I want to leave with you today. That each of us, that we would reach out to others, even if it's just one other person, reach out to them. And I mean, there are people around you who need to hear the stories of faith. They need to hear your story what Jesus means to you, what God means to you, what's your testimony. There are less days today before the return of Christ than when I spoke with you last month. And so are you up to the challenge? As a church, are we up to the challenge of reaching lost for Christ? There are so many people in our world today who have bought into a lie because they have followed the counterfeit evil that's in there in the world, as I did when I thought I had a great deal on an authentic Italian leather jacket. I mean, in our neighborhoods and in our families, there are so many who have turned their backs on Jesus and who are following a path of sin. They're in his destruction and death. Their names are not yet written in the book of, that belong, the book of life that belongs to the Lamb, that belongs to Jesus. That's what Revelation talks about. We've got to make sure that these names, that your names are in that book and that the names of your family are in that book and the names of your neighbors are in your book. Would it be that you and I would take up the challenge to point the lost to the real deal, the real and only true God, so that their names too will be written in the book of life, that the lost will be found, and that they too will become faithful followers of Jesus? Are you up to the challenge? Are you? I am. Who is it that you can pray for? Who is it that you can share the gospel with? Who is it that you can bring to church? Who is it that you can read scripture with? Who is it that you can point them to Jesus? Who is it, by word and deed, that you can show that God and God alone is the real deal? Let us pray. Father, these are sober words and somber words because they speak to the very heart of the situation that we find ourselves in in our day 
in this last hour before you return. And I pray, God, that each one of us would take the challenge that you give to us in your word to be true to the testimony of Jesus and to hold up the word of God. There's people in our communities and in our network of friends that need to hear it. And may we be counted among those who will stand up and that we would be faithful to the end, calling people into that living relationship with you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.